This episode of Asians Represent is brought to you by our amazing supporters at patreon.com slash aznsrepresent and the OneShot Podcast Network. Join our Discord community by heading to aznsrepresent.com. Um, now I know Steve's got a Steve's got a story from Steve's fabled adventures in the D and D Discord, or is it D and D Beyond Discord? Uh, so the D and D Beyond has a voice channel, uh, but the official D and D Discord does not have a voice channel. Okay, so this and was that the D- probably makes a lot of sense. <laughs> to- total sense. So this story is from the D and D Beyond Discord. Yeah, yeah. It, okay, it literally happened right before like this recording. Okay, and- good, good to know. <laughs> but before we dive into that, I think it's going to be really important to kind of introduce who we have here because there is one person who has never been on Asians Represent but has made an immense contribution to our community and the wider Asian community in general. First of all, I'm going to say it. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. I have spent so much time talking to you these past two years and it has been an absolute pleasure just like getting to know you and just becoming friends. When I have actually talked about you to my work friends because we were actually talking about like video games and Elder Scrolls came up. And I was like, well, let me tell you, my friend Sean knows everything about Skyrim so much that he could actually walk me through what I was doing without even seeing where I was. It is incredible. It is so cool. Like, if you ever run a game set in Skyrim, I feel like if you were doing like D&D set in Skyrim or, or I think there's an RPG, you just it would just be such an incredible experience because you just know everything. It's so cool. Um, but on top of that, you do a lot of amazing work as one of the moderators on the Agents Represent Discord. Uh, you helped us really build out this community. Um, but also you do a lot of great work. It's kind of like a part of your day job as well. Mm-hmm. Um working for some great causes and, and helping people. Um, so first of all, just like welcome uh, to the podcast. Happy you're here and happy that, you know, we put the call out and you were like, let's do it. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate it. Cause I, I think this is a, you are a voice that hasn't been on the show. And I think we should do that more often. Mm-hmm. Um, returning to the podcast, we have Mahar, the, the baker of bread, the weaver of words, the maker of incredible introspective games. Welcome back. Um, Glad to be back. (laughs) I I miss you. I wish wish we could see each other at a con again one day. But until then, we always have this. Uh, Returning is, let's just say, one of the toughest people in TTRPGs. I think we all know that I'm talking about Pam. Pam is the, let's be real, the overlord of our discord, the creator of the discord <laughs> server. Pam is a force to be reckoned with, not only in the Asians represent community, but in the wider TTRPG scene. Um, super excited for what you've got going on and super excited that, you know, you wanted to be a part of this um, particular episode, because I know we've got a lot of thoughts. Um, we were talking a lot about like a potential title and I still really <laughs> wanted to go with the title you proposed, but Steve was very thoughtful and was like, too much of an inside joke um and rightfully so steve my co-host who is here with me almost every time um 
the the breaker of logs, the flexor of <laughs> muscles, the writer of Twitter threads, the master of technology on our Discord server. You um, can just the, keep going. The artificer of the, D, <laughs> the of the Asia's represent Discord server and a a true true rogue when it comes to D&D and D&D Beyond Discord membership. Let's talk. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that. Uh, and then last but not least, our Discord community manager, Drusifer. I'm a little sproutling. And, and, and Andrew Kwan. P- potential oh. familial connection, but spelt differently. <laughs> yeah, I spell, yeah, we decided to spell it wrong when they asked us. At the, hey, I, uh, well, first of all, none of us really spell it right because this is English. We we write it in, we write it the same in Chinese. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but uh, like my my yeah, they threw out the G sound absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but the, most uh, most most Guans who came to Canada just turned it into a K or a Q sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're not only here because we have the last name and that you're a Discord community manager. <laughs> it's extremely <laughs> distant nepotism. Extremely <laughs> distant nepotism is the reason for all of this. Yep. But you're here because you've kind of led a charge on the Discord server in helping a make it more sustainable, so that you know anyone who applies to become a Discord member actually goes through you. We also have some amazing resources about this exact topic, and you, the ad, other admins, and the mods kind of led the charge in making that. Yep. So a part of today's episode is a we're going to talk about this. And I'm going to go through the question that Pam proposed because I really just wanted to say it and I tweeted it too. But I really want to talk about it because I think for me, it really encapsulates what this episode is about. When a lot of people know behind the scenes, I really struggle with when it comes to making titles for the podcast. I have a really hard time. I'm always asking Steve. I'm like, I don't have a title. The, I need, I, the title for this episode is, is, actually, is a Steve creation. Um, the original title was proposed by Pam as kind of a joke, but I took it real seriously because <laughs> I thought it was really fitting. And the secret title to this episode was, I hope you don't find this offensive, but dot, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> because that's something probably all of us here have heard, whether we're talking about, you know, tabletop RPGs or we're just like living our lives that, uh, in that, person that phrase, or online. Yeah. Like that phrase is, it, it's like a, it's an umbrella of which there are millions of different algorithmic possibilities on how it will manifest mm-hmm. if you're a marginalized person. Yeah, like, it's, it's um, the, uh, I hope you don't yeah. find this offensive, but in the TTRPG translation can mean, I wrote a setting on insert Asian culture. Can I ask you a question? Uh, dot, dot, like, dot. I, really, I really appreciate your work, but also I have this thing that I really want you to check and I mean, the moment you go something like, oh, sure, here are my rates. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. I'm like, what did you misunderstand yeah. about every single tweet I've ever made saying I'm for hire? Yeah. <laughs> or, or the classic, thanks for sharing this episode. Can you tell me what it's about? Instead of, <laughs> instead of me being like, listen to this podcast, can you tell me 240 characters? Um, that's another really common one. Um, so we're going to be talking about that classic question. I hope you don't find this offensive, but dot, dot, dot. Um, we're going to talk about that, but like all Asians represent episodes, we want to make sure that we are, you know, as constructive as possible. And one of the things that I want to devote time to is 
kind of the or kind of the steps that we've taken to make the Discord server. Obviously, every Discord server is a work in progress. Nothing is perfect. Um, like our Discord rogue here, Steve knows has, and has experienced many times in other servers. Um, but we are constantly trying to put in the work to make our server better. And I want to talk about you know, the decision-making that went into making the server, what we've done, so that this episode can kind of serve as a free resource for people who are also like marginalized people and are trying to make a safe Discord space for themselves. Uh, because I don't think that's something that we've put out there yet. Um, so I want this to be a step in doing that because I still think we need to put out more resources. But for now, we have our voices and this podcast. Um, that said, let's get into episode 49. It's called, you know, um, The Privilege Paradox, Asking for Emotional Labor, but secretly all of the various questions that we, uh, we kind of brought up. I hope you don't find this offensive. Um, now that said, before we started, Steve, you, you, you mentioned that you had had uh, an interaction on the D&D Beyond Discord just before this recording, and it kind of perfectly fits the topic of the episode. Yeah, like just this <laughs> serendipitous thing that happened, but also it happens pretty often, which is sad. There's, there's a tragedy there. Um, but right before this recording happened, I jumped into the D&D Beyond Discord server. That is a voice chat. And I turned my video on because I'm very comfortable being on video as longtime viewers might know. Um, and also, I think it's really important that uh, this is from Jade, that for this line of work and the things I want to talk about and the things I want to share, showing my face and being there fully uh, authentically uh, is really, really important. So I did that. I was there. We were talking about uh, random stuff character designs, monster designs, encounter designs. Um, there was a lull in the conversation and someone with, I think, the best of intentions, I truly believe that, said, so I'm writing this Japanese, uh, this game and it has Japanese elements. And like a, a hush fell over the crowd and they continued on and they started talking about the yokai and the things they were researching. And basically they were lamenting that there's too much to research. Um, and again, I truly believe their intentions were the best. And I looked away from the camera I began doing other work. I didn't want to get involved. And at the end of the whole thing where people started giving their stuff, the original asker looked towards, uh, called out my name specifically and asked for my opinion on it. Um, and it's just, again, best of attentions, but the impact that that could have on an individual, as I kind of retell the story, you can probably already feel it. You probably have that gut feel of like, oh, that probably made you feel really uncomfortable because it did. I'm just watching Bahar's reactions. Well, I mean, come on. It's guilty of so many crimes, right? Crime number one, here's free sensitivity consulting. Crime number two, it's a Japanese setting. Crime number three, Steve is not Japan. He's not Japanese. Crime number four, why you're getting all of this input? Why are you invalidating it? I'm like, oh my God, like the number of minor strikes <laughs> once. I'm like, wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm pretty impressed by, uh, by the power of done. In this, and this, uh, I'm, in this, I'm thing. pretty impressed. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. impressed. Yeah, you just, you just, you just went boom, 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 boom. It's like, wow, like, cut my veins, why don't you? You know, it's like, it's, 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 it's very, um, I mean, it's typical, right? I mean, yeah. when you put yourself out in the space, it, it means that you've made yourself emotionally available to people. I mean, the nature of, I think, RPG design in general and community management in general is that you're coming from a space of welcoming. And that is an essentially, I think, uh, you know, it's a vulnerable position you're putting yourself in. 
you're making yourself available to people. Oh no, cat. So when so when when that does happen, uh, I think people tend to uh, assume availability extends to everything else, as opposed to you're only available for X things. So, oh yes, let's get started on this. Let let's get started. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Mahar, where would you like to start? You're you you've you've basically rapid fired the charges against this person. But where would you like to start from? A, let's let's start from a like a place of you know feedback for this interaction. All right, so let's let's talk about I guess uh, the elephant in the in the in the in the room in the virtual room, which is <laughs> as pe- as people who are you know visible visible minorities in people's communities i think everyone here would have to admit we have been asked to do emotional labor and that often means two things number 1 people don't know what it is they don't know what emotional labor is and they almost feel affronted when you have to say hey this is emotional labor so there's already a disconnect between the fact that feelings have weight and you have to move them that's the first one. And then the second one is, but I don't want to be a bad person. And therefore, there's the implied uh, remonstrance that you're not helping me is keeping me evil. Therefore, if I do something wrong, it's your fault because you had a chance to correct me and I gave it to you. So, yeah. so I think that's the, that's the dynamic that we're dealing with. And that comes from a lot of places like it's privilege often that lets people reverse positions so quickly it's uh it's a lot of things to unpack and we have a list i think somewhere that we might want to just go through for the sake of structure because we can the go shopping on. the shopping list of wowie the shopping <laughs> list of wowie what i call it like, like, right? the shopping like list of wowie psychic triage right it's yeah. like we need to figure out which one is the yeah yeah i i think you know i think there are there are two things that i think we should address here and I mean, there are layers to this. So I think the one thing is like, well, first of all, let's define, uh, let's establish a baseline for emotional labor. When we're talking about emotional labor, what do we mean by that? Because that's something you put out there, Mahar. Uh, anybody else, please feel free to chime in too. When we're talking about emotional labor, what do we mean, right? For, for me, when, I'm, when we're talking about emotional labor, a, a lot of it is like, you know, like you mentioned, Mahar, it's like, it often comes up in conversations where people are like, hey, I need you to do something for me in order to make me feel comfortable. I need something from you to make me feel comfortable. And the, the part where it's make me feel comfortable means I need you to tell me something so I don't think I'm a racist. Um, and that's a really common one that I have to deal with. But for me, it's often like having to manage one's own emotions and then take on the, the work necessary to manage another person's feelings as well. Um, and in this case, it's making someone feel comfortable when they have put this onus on me without consent. The, for me to add to that, it's also the lack of accountability for how your emotions and your state affect the other person that you're imploring upon to do something because ownership is a thing that would be very very valuable when it comes to interactions uh, with marginalized people i feel 
Because if you owned your feelings and you understood that there is weight, then perhaps you'd think twice about putting that weight on somebody else who is also owning their own emotions and carrying that weight with them. So there's ownership, there's also accountability. So that, that's just a main addition that I'd have to that. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a, it's a really good point. I think the thing there that you brought up was, you know, you are making somebody else carry the weight of your emotions and feelings, right? Um, but I like how you broke it down into to ownership and accountability. Uh, like Steve, Drew, Sean, did you want to add anything to that? Find that oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Or, or uh, find, yeah. <laughs> I find that uh, oftentimes it's also kind of veiled with good intentions that they don't mean to be offensive. They don't mean to be racist. They're just doing it for a good reason, or they just, they're just curious about you. And it's, uh, it just leaves, for me, it, it always leaves me in this like really uncomfortable space, like, okay, but do, do I have to like, dress you down now or do I just ignore it and move on yeah definitely the whole like I I want to do good I don't want to go and make a bad TTRPG product I don't want my character to be racist or based on stereotypes um yeah absolutely you're like you're trying to do good but it, with that you are actually doing bad on someone I, I I actually really like how Sean brought that up because the thing with uh good intent is sure yeah cool that's great right but um sometimes that good intent is a fear and defensiveness about who you are as the privileged person so like i hear a lot on the on the tail end of people coming to me with these weird questions of like uh, but it's just so scary you know dealing with like people judging me for my actions and i'm like uh, that's a fear that I deal with every day. So if this is new to you, uh, maybe get good as we video gamers like yeah. talking, right? And it, it, that, that defensiveness makes it hard for, uh, for me to focus on your good intent, even if it is good intent, because you're coming to me first with this very defensive, difficult position that I further have to carry and I further have to minimize my presence and choose my words very carefully. And like the sheer amount of mental calculus that you'd have to do based on the number of unfortunate tick boxes that you have to check out on your marginalization is, is pretty hard. Like um, I mean, you all see me all the time when I come on podcasts, female, brown, not from the States, queer. Right. That's like a lot already. So then you put that, you put that little like checkbox set against the checkboxes of whoever's talking to me. And the power dynamics just go like galaxy bearing mode. <laughs> like how you're supposed to figure out those interactions. So it's just like, thank you so much for the good intent part. Cause it's like, you could go on forever about how that affects things. I mean, yeah. I think it depends where you're coming from, right? Like, I think in, I th impact does matter more for sure, but intent will determine my reaction. Like, you know, like, because I will, I will always differentiate between accident and malice. So I think intent matters in that, yeah. in that regard. Yeah. So, but of course, I still have to manage the impact anyway, because that's what I'm managing. How I manage it is determined by intent. I think that the problem here is that 
the labor becomes so arduous over time that it makes you I, it honestly I think damages me as a person and not not in the um I, I become a less trusting person so as over time good faith questions are now measured in positions of bad faith measurement right yeah. so you're just kind of like is this person like shitting me so then you have to go through that whole like weighing process before you answer do i answer as if this is a good it, do i answer this as if it's a truly good question and this is a this is someone who has put their trust in you to help them become better which of course is a, also a flattering in in mm -hmm. a way let's, let's admit but at the same time it's also like if this mofo is out to like troll me <laughs> with horrible questions do i step on next today and then yeah. and yeah. then you know and, and like in many cases as you know like like Pam, I'm not not American. I'm I'm queer as fuck, right? I'm mixed race, which comes with its own bag. It would depending on where I am. I'm a person of color, and I'm also now an immigrant, so that creates all sorts of weird energies as well. And when you and that's I think the problem when you enter these positions and people are ask, asking for expertise, what they don't expect is when you suddenly reveal your intelligence. Because now you're seeing power. Mm. You're seeing power manifested from a place you're not used to seeing it from. And that actually scares people. And that's, I think, yeah. something that many people asking for help don't anticipate. Because you don't realize that you're now asking for me to reveal strength. And that is oftentimes, because of our racist baggage, and we all have it, discomforting to the person seeing it for the first time. And that's emotional labor too. I literally have to deal with kid gloves. Yeah. I need to restrain myself. It's like, you know, holding back the horse. I want to charge now. Yeah. Mohair <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and I have had so many conversations you know, since 2019. You know, like we, we went to BBC, right? Two mm -hmm. of us. And uh, we knew, we thought we knew what we were going to get into. Like two Southeast Asian game designers that most of the crowd had never heard of bringing like baggages of, ba of games and stuff and trying to promote things. And uh, the number of times that we've had to go, okay, I'm going to put my... MA studies hat on. I'm going to put my teacher mode on. And that's all armor, see? Because if I don't do that, you will never take me seriously. Yeah. Right. Pam and I would have to go back to our Airbnb, our beautiful queer BNB, and it would take like maybe an hour to an hour and a half of decompressing. <laughs> and then just say, Pam, how would you have answered this question? Like, if you have the time, Pam, because I know we are going to the same thing. And even then, like we're so care we were so careful with each other. Pam, I know that we've been doing emotional labor all day, but now that now that we're the only ones who can relate to each other, so all of that had to happen. And um, yeah, it's a it's a thing. That's a definite thing. Yeah, uh, Drew and and Steve, I know I know you folks. Steve, you you often take on a lot of emotional labor when you're in spaces like these other discord communities that you've talked about a lot on the show and drew as our discord community manager you take on a lot of that as well like is there anything that you wanted to add to this we kind of have you know we've taught sean brought up you know emotional labor often being veiled with good intentions we talked about ownership accountability but also a sort of reaction to somebody pointing out power differentials 
what mm-hmm. Mahar brought up. But Drew and Drew and Steve, is there anything that you wanted to add to this? Uh, something that I wanted to talk about. And so my first experience when it comes to like being in this space and having someone basically at me over something, you know, wasn't because some uh, white person or someone who just really did not know anything about what we were talking about was trying to ask me questions. But it came after uh, I was on the last episode for the first uh, Oriental Adventures series. Yep. And uh, it wasn't someone like that who like added me on Twitter. It was someone who looked like me trying to basically tag me in like it's a wrestling match. You know, <laughs> like... And, and I did not sign up for that. Basically, they had gotten into their own massive Twitter argument and thought, you know what? I think mid-punch is when I should tag this other person into, into the ring. So I don't, you know, I'm on Twitter. I look at Twitter, but I don't do much on Twitter. And so when I look at my phone and I have 40 notifications, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? So I go through and it's just this, war in in twitter threads and they're tagging me in it and i'm just like i don't know what's happening and then i did the worst thing ever which was say something <laughs> which just drugged me in further because i was uh i was a uh, I was a wee little boy two years yeah, ago so, somebody somebody <laughs> kind of like uh made you carry that baggage and then you said i guess yeah because you you don't it's not my office hours. You know, you, you don't know what I'm doing just because you're free to uh, wage uh, uh, combat over Twitter, you know, doesn't mean that I am free. It doesn't mean that I am emotionally available. And so that's just a distinguishment of like, there are those that ask you with good intentions because of their own projects or their own uncertainty. Uh, and then there are other also well-intentioned people that are just trying to call to what they think is supposed to be some higher authority in the subject or some higher power in that space, which I am not. I am just like everyone else, some dude, you know, you know saying some stuff about his own experiences. Um, but uh, at two in the morning, I don't, I don't want to get into a Twitter argument. I don't, I did, but I don't, I didn't want to, you know? Um, So just uh, to that point though, you know, that's just something that I think people should be careful of as well. And I understand when you are uncertain and you know, you've seen someone else talk about it, but I would just say for those of us that, you know, do that kind of thing, just be careful about who you're tagging and why you're tagging them because you are essentially yeah I mean, it's it's very much it's very much like what um steve went through earlier today right oh i'm going to single you out because i think you're supposed to know something about this topic and i am assuming that you want to talk about it when you haven't checked in at all prior you haven't like talked to me about it i don't even know you to begin with you know uh so i would just say be very careful about how you do that kind of thing can I just because most out? of the time they don't want it can i just point out you know based on what you're saying there drew you're describing a situation where expertise becomes a liability mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. then means if it's a liability no one will want to share it you need to ask yourself if you are making someone do work for you in, in multiple ways and they know that 
they're targeted for those things, they're going to just retreat. And you're now mm-hmm. actually cutting off and preventing people from accessing a resource because it's become too much of a liability for them. Mm-hmm. So that's why we really need to talk about this because if you feel like, no, I, I have, because I get this complaint a lot, no one's willing to help me. I don't know who to yeah. help to. Yeah, on the consultant well, side, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. The reason why that's happening is because all of these people were probably burnt out from previous encounters with emotional labor that singed them so badly. So again, you need to ask about the consequences of what you're doing. You might actually be, in order to fuel your curiosity, you're using someone else's fuel. Like, um, this might be a little bit of a spicy um, <laughs> anecdote. That's what but, this podcast, that's what this uh, podcast is. We've, we've won like, two Ennies for being spicy. <laughs> <laughs> it's super necessary, especially since TTRPG spaces on Twitter have a goldfish brain, right? Um, the singular biggest personal event for me that threatened to burn me out completely from the space, which means you would not have me on Asians represent, you would not have my games, you would not be able to hire me, etc. You might not even be able to message me on Discord because I'd just be on FF14 all day, not talking to anybody else, right? Was when somebody a person of color from America decided that me and my partner were not being paid fairly on a Kickstarter. They, we did not know them. They did not check in. They did not speak to us. But they named us by name to go on their holy war against a person that they thought was doing bad in the space. And to make matters worse white people decided for whatever reason i'm not going to pretend to know what their reasons were jumped in on that discussion and may or may not have also gotten entire discords of other communities to do the same thing that was honest to God, and you're going to hear my voice shaking about it and probably see me vaping a lot after this discussion. That was honest to God, one of the worst weeks of my life. Yeah. I, None of it, those people checked in. None of them. Nobody. I did not fucking know who that person was. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I've got something, to, I've got something to add to this, but I want to go to Steve. Yeah. Uh, Steve, is there anything that you wanted to add to the, to the emotional labor side of things? Yeah, uh, everything everyone said here, a lot of what I would say would just echo what everyone else said here. I totally resonate with everyone saying here. But I do know that a lot of our listeners, you know, they come here for education. They come here for explicitly the emotional labor we do here. I find anecdotes to be often very helpful. The emotional labor for me is something that every adult probably has done at some point in your life. Like it's really, really basic. And a great example, and Mahar, you remind me of this, is the idea of kids, kids' gloves. Children require tons of emotional labor. And I'm not saying that obviously adults that ask for emotional labor are being childish. What I'm saying is that children themselves are a great way of kind of seeing how you put on that labor on yourself because children uh, don't really know how to ask questions. They aren't 100% there understanding what your emotional state might be. And they might just say something foolish, ignorant, offensive with no ill intent whatsoever because they're precious and we love them. And you, your knee-jerk reaction, being someone who's caring for them, will be to pause, to think, to evaluate a million different things before deciding how to actually continue this engagement with that child, knowing that you don't want that child to walk away feeling like my feelings were hurt and like this was a negative experience for me. 
that labor you do there and then that is the level that people of color can feel when these kind of questions or interactions come up but the difference here is that it's two adults not a child and adult and that is another factor there that can really really color and impact how people walk away from that conversation and engagement yeah i I think to add to that, and and of course with what Pam said, there's I think there's a difference if you're if you know you're a parent and you have a kid, or if you're a teacher and you have a student, right? I think there's a difference between willingly taking on emotional labor, and then it being thrust upon you without you know your consent, right? Yeah. Like you know we all do emotional labor for each other. I have definitely vented to all of you at some point, right? We, we do that in our own private chats, right? But we, we, have, we have mechanisms in place to help us mediate each other's boundaries and do it respectfully. Like I know certain people don't like to be tagged in things. So if I want to praise somebody, I'll tell them directly and I won't tag them in something, right? That we know that there are these boundaries here, right? Or if I'm going to tag somebody, it'll be within a small private chat that only there's a handful of us are in. Um, one, one thing that you, you brought up, Pam, is a, a lot of the things that it, collectively I think we've seen on Asians represent is like white people, like putting emotional labor on us, but people of color can put emotional labor on other people of color. And, that, that, yeah. and that's something to, and I know you, you didn't exclude that on purpose, but I think it's something worth highlighting because for me, that was the thing that almost caused me to just shut down all of Asians represent last year. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of people kind of look to Asians represent and they think it's this, this big thing, but for the longest time, it was literally like Daniel doing everything and then having some help with the discord. But in general, it's just like, any email, DM, YouTube comment, anything it was just directed at me when people think it's kind of going to everybody, but it's always just going to me. So a big thing with Asians Represent was that people kept coming and be like, why aren't you fighting for this cause? Why aren't mm -hmm. you doing this? Why aren't you doing more and more? Why aren't you doing the thing that I want you to do? It's because I'm one person. <laughs> And it's because I only have so many spoons. Well, right? Daniel, even if you were, say, a foundation with 2,000 volunteers. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, if it was just a matter of that, if it was just a matter of, hey, why aren't you solving racism? Do you think we <laughs> wouldn't have done it by now? Like we right? <laughs> governments trying. And then you're thinking that this one person can do all. You have to do your part. There's, there's this very strange notion. But there's this entitlement. There's right? this entitlement. Of, I'm like, seriously. So that's a, that is a big, like people don't have an idea of scale. So that I think is also something we want, you know, well, you know, personally, I feel like I've ranted more than enough. Let's be, I have to like, you know, go to, uh, go and teach a class in like 40 minutes. So let's, let's pump it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to make, know, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. oh no, you go ahead, Drew. I was just gonna say, you know, uh, if by next week we were able to double or triple or quadruple the amount of things that we could do, if we added three times as many staff members, if we had four more weekly shows, if we had this and that and the other, we simply uh, as a group cannot cover all the facets of everyone's realities. We simply can't. The world and everything in it 
is just too big for that. You know, like, you know, to what Mahara said, like, if you have such massive uh, organizations and governments and things that are trying to do something, we have, we have a podcast and a Twitter, you know, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're on Twitch. <laughs> like, like we are doing what we can in the space that we have, but uh, to expect us to be able to touch on every single topic at the moment that you would like us to talk about it, it's, it's impossible because for, because people don't realize that because they are upset that we're not talking about their thing, all these other people are also upset when we talk about their thing because we're talking about their thing, you know? So it, it turns into this entitled sort of like lose-lose situation because we can't, talk about all your stuff at the same exact time. We just can't. It's impossible. Yeah, or it's like, why aren't you retweeting my thing or talking about my game? Or it's We can only talk about so much and we're trying our best, but also like, we're not the only Asians out here. Right? Yeah, uh, and see, that that's the thing, right? We're all valuable human beings. So the point is to not create monoliths and more centers of power that will naturally oppress somebody and some communities by simply existing and breathing. The point was to create more spaces. So the usual question I have that I throw back at people who try to weaponize me is, why are you not doing the work for yourself? Why are you expecting me and my own to do it? When you literally have all the tools that are accessible to me, and perhaps you even have more resources. So why are you not doing your thing and championing your stuff and yelling constantly into the void and also constantly dealing with the invasive questions and the unmerited tagging, et cetera, et cetera? Why do you have to weaponize me and my own and expect that we will do it a certain way when you had the words all along and you could have tried and you could have risked yourself? Well, didn't we just ask... Didn't they just answer their own question because they don't want to risk themselves? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that that's the thing. It's like what we are doing is we are putting ourselves out here, producing free content, free educational content for people. We are making, putting ourselves in a very vulnerable situation, right? It's like, oh, you're just making videos. I'm putting it on the internet. No, we are talking about real issues that, uh, that affect our lives outside of this stream, outside of this podcast, outside of our games, it is a, is a real thing that affects us uh, when we go out into the real world. Um, but a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people are like, well, your Discord community sucks because you aren't dedicating every single waking moment to my cause. Or, you know, your Discord is, is awful because you have the privilege of having one. It's like, thank you for your comment. I will, I will note it and potentially not act on it. Uh, but thank you for telling me why you hate me. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, we, we see a lot of is, and I think this is a really good time to bring in one of our Patreon questions. So Joe, one of our patrons asked, um, and this is actually, it was a really good question. And they were like, I don't know. I'm like, no, this is a good question. They said, I would love for all, for you all to explain the concept of the why you or why this project and how it relates to asking POC for explanations, sensitivity readings or approval. One of the things we always talk about is if you're going to make the Japanese campaign setting, if you're going to make the, you know, if you're going to make 
you know, the, this Chinese campaign setting, or if you're going to do um, any sort of Asian culture, right? the, the most common one we see is if you're going to make the Japanese campaign setting, ask yourself why. Um, but I think that's what Joe is asking. It's like, what do we mean by that? Um, the why question, ask yourself why you're doing this. Um, I think this is kind of the, the perfect, perfect segue to kind of talk about it. And it's the intention behind even putting that emotional labor upon someone. The tagging them on Twitter and being like, hey, come fight with me in this battle. Or the, hey, I'm going to tag you on a Discord thread and be like, what do you think about this really heavy subject? Or, hey, I'm going to send you an email and then put like three paragraphs of questions about a product. And then I'm going to put a PDF in there and ask you to do it. I want us to kind of segue into how does somebody sort of look into their intentions and what should they be asking themselves before they ask a, you know, a perfectly reasonable question or they ask something with good intentions, like Sean said, except for the veiled part, maybe they do have good intentions, but what should you ask yourself to avoid having this emotional label labor veiled with good intentions? What do you ask yourself? And, and I think that's kind of what I want to get into. Mahar, you, you, you look like you're going to. Okay. So I think first people have a hard time realizing that because they feel like they're being denied something when you ask them, why, why, why are you doing that? Right. And so already that kind of puts the, the, the conversation in a very weird place. So you might, I think whenever someone says, I want to say, create a game which is Asian, even when I'm not Asian myself. You might want to ask yourself, what about this narrative is matters to you? Now, if the question is aesthetic, we're in trouble. Because if you're saying that, oh, I want adventure, I want drama, I want intrigue. But if you think that your only way of getting there is through the aesthetic of you know, Asian trappings. I think you really need to ask yourself that because it is a way of essentializing human interaction in a very, because you're saying the packaging matters more than the interaction, right? I think that's the right. first thing. So that's why we need to ask yourself why you want to do that. Because if you're trying to get a particular emotional hit or emotional satisfaction, if you are saying, oh, the trappings matter to me, that's when I start thinking, please think about that because that's a very difficult conversation that we're about to have. And I think, and I think, and I don't want to actually, and in a way, asking you to ask that question yourself is our way of saying, please do the emotional labor that you need to do before you start offending other people. <laughs> like, yeah. And don't make us be the ones to have to say, dude lady friend bitch like it's not it's not it's not gonna work out and so i i think that's why we we'd have to do that honestly like and i and i don't mean to like imply that people who say that speak in code it's more of i think epiphanies matter more when you arrive at them yourself and that question should lead you to that yeah what about the rest of you what, what do you think of this I think with uh, what uh, Mahar was saying, sometimes, 
again, it, it comes back to the kid gloves again, especially when it's someone who's a friend who is bringing this to you. And you're like, I, they seem so excited. I don't want to be the one who disappoints them or tells them like, no, please don't. Um, and yeah, it just, it, it leaves you feeling emotionally drained and tired at the end of the day. And you're like, I'm going to have to interact with this a lot in the future now because they brought it up and they've come to me about it. And am I the only one they're coming to, coming to with this? And it's, yeah, it's not a good feeling, but you still have to try to be nice. Yeah. I wanted to share. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to share like actually a positive story where I challenge someone, these questions, like ask yourself these questions and it, it doesn't happen often but they actually did have their own slight epiphany an epiphany. It's binary. Um, or they were like, I'm, I want to, to include these Asian elements. I want to tell Asian stories, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, in business, there are this idea of five whys. ask yourself why answer it. Ask yourself why four more times. The idea being at some point you're going to hit like rock bottom and that's like gold. That's where you want to hit. So they did this and it turns out that they really wanted to tell the story of being an outsider. They wanted to tell stories about like not belonging and being in a place where like you aren't fully accepted. And I'm like, yeah, Asian stories can absolutely tell that. But can you tell that story given your personal um, uh, background, uh, your connections, your experiences? And it turns out that their family were German immigrants. And I'm like, imagine telling a story using German, Eastern European, whatever imagery really matters to you while also still telling the story about not belonging talking about literally your time growing up in i don't know like pennsylvania like that is very very powerful and i can guarantee you that if you tell that story it's going to be a lot more valuable to you and your audience than if you try to tell an asian story where you now have to do all this extra work to maybe get halfway there yeah it's uh it's it's like what mahar said it's like what about this matters to you that packaging or the emotions that you're trying to evoke, right? You don't have to go with the Asian aesthetic just to feel like an outsider, right? There pl plenty of spaces around the world to do that. Right? Uh, I think that there's, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, Drew, go ahead. I'll, I was I'll gonna say, ahead. I think there's an inherent danger in trying to take a universal theme and distilling it down to the experience of the other, right? when you are trying to take something that could be done in any location, like, like the feeling of being an outsider, the feeling of being the other or being separated from something is something that most people can feel about something big or small in their life, whether it's anything from, you know, geopolitics in their area to, uh, you know, not being in the right click in school, right? You can experience it in so many different ways. So trying to distill it to someone else that's not like you as if it is integral to their experience is doing a disservice both to the stories that you can tell and the stories that you assume they must tell. Yeah, I was going to, I'm so glad that you brought up the, the whole point about othering because I was going to go right into that, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, for the why question, I have had some people approach me and when I asked them, okay, why is it that you want to tell a Filipino story when you're not Filipino? And a lot of them immediately go, because your culture is so fascinating. It's so interesting. It just seems so different. And I'm like, okay, but why won't you tell stories about 
your culture. And a lot of them go, but it's so white and it's so boring. And I'm like, mm, mm. there's a fundamental issue in that line of thinking because it, it, it's a weird exotification othering of whatever I have and myself and my identity and the, the community I'm from. And when you do that, when you, as Drew put it, distill that and turn it into a neat little wrap package that you can put into your design or to your games or your stories, uh, you're ignoring the, the complexities, the nuances, the feelings, and the, the stories within stories that have created where I come from. So that, 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 that would be a very important why for me. If, if you're coming from outside and you want to use things of mine, is it, what, what is it about my culture that you like turning into a convenient thing that you can consume rather than engage with, rather than understand and speak to properly? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what is your goal with distilling a very complex sort of entity into something highly reductive? What are you trying to achieve? That's kind of what you're saying, Pam? Yeah, and also, like, uh, I've had some people realize that they just want to try to make money off a different thing, right? And... uh, I mean, we should talk. I mean, that is that is something we should talk about because um, one of the things that we see a lot is soliciting advice in spaces that are dedicated to marginalized voices. Right? What do you do there? Right? We have the Asians represent Discord, and I don't. I genuinely don't know. Like, I mean, Drew, you might you might know. not the entire server itself is definitely not all Asian. Not everybody in our server identifies as Asian, and that's totally okay, right? But uh, the Asians represent server, which is again a fan community. It's for this podcast. We're not an advocacy group or anything like that. We're, we're a show that seeks to educate, right? Sometimes we get folks who solicit for advice in a space that is dedicated to marginalized voices. And they're seeking advice sometimes for their own personal lives. Like, hey, I had this interaction with a coworker or a family member, and I don't understand what happened. Um, other times, there are folks who might say, hey, I want to do this. I'm working on a project or I'm doing some research for a project. Can you tell me about this? They're trying to profit off of something, trying to profit off of emotional labor that they are putting upon an entire community. So what do we have to say about that? What do we have to say about, you know, the idea of sort of commoditizing this emotional labor, uh, profiting off of it, like Pam mentioned? I'll, I'll leave it to you, Mahar, because I know you've got to leave in like 20-ish minutes. Um, but what do you say when somebody is kind of out there basically giving, uh, like putting emotional labor onto people with the intent of profiting off of that? Well, I mean, the first thing is I would call for my boundaries and nothing quite spells out boundaries like a nice fat old contract with a monetary rate attached to it. Uh 
I mean, let's let's be clear here, right? With the proviso that my my labor does not uh, my labor does not translate to my permission. So let's make that very clear. I can advise all I want, but I have to say, my my when I when I do when I do for example sensitivity consulting, I make it very clear. I put in all the because I'm trained as a dramaturg. I will say these are your flashpoints, and there is nothing you can write that will that will that will not elicit this response. I will go that far. I have gone so far as to say it's like it's a well-written thing, which you're going to have to just do for your own table. I've gone that far for some people. Mm. And they're like, but I need, but I need to do this. So I'm like, well, you're getting my expertise. You can't get my permission. You can't say Mahar endorsed this, therefore Asians go at it. I can't because Asian permission or a consultant's permission rather does not necessarily translate to Asian acceptance. And I even use that word Asian acceptance very, very, very gingerly because Filipino acceptance is different from Malaysian acceptance is different from, and within the Also the diaspora as well. It's so wide and different. So I think people need to understand that um, you're, you know, the reason why emotional labor is labor is because you're handling people's emotions. And therefore, if you trigger or elicit or incite feeling, I can't shield you from that. And don't you dare try. So whenever yeah. someone, you know, so when someone tries to say, oh, we, we have all of these things, I'm just kind of like, well, I'm not in charge of your creative process. If you don't give me creative power, then I will not have any power whatsoever to defend you. It's that simple. Yeah, I think that's a big one. The, the consultants don't give you permission or provide you with a shield from criticism. I think that's something that we talked about a lot on, you know, when we talked about Kamigawa, the new Neon Dynasty, the new Magic the Gathering set. You know, was just kind of gone out there and be like, hey, we we brought cultural consultants. And a lot of people were kind of like, well, that means you can't criticize it because they had consultants on board. And then when we did the episode, much like you, you Mahar, when you were basically like, okay, here's what happened with Steve and that interaction. Boom, 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 boom. Emma was just like, here's what's wrong. Boom, 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 boom. And those criticisms were 100% valid, despite the fact that they were professionals who worked on this product, who brought up some valid things, but because they weren't involved in the entire creative pro like you know, process or a lot of the decision-making, ultimately the, the reception is still going to be, I feel icky about this, even though you tried to do a good thing. I mean, and I, yeah. So to go back to the question of like, how do you feel about people trying to profit off of like emotional labor? I'm just kind of like, um, well, if you're not sharing the profits with that community, you're already in deep trouble. And secondly, like, um, you're not going to get permission. You can yeah. get like friends who are going to give you permission, but mind you, your your friends do not labor under delusion that even whole communities of people are ambassadors for everyone else. Like I know many Filipinos who disagree with me, rightfully so they should. So we don't ever presume, Pam and I disagree on things. 
and we're close friends. So what, on, what, on what world do you think that getting any either of our endorsements means that you've gotten that from the entire like... Gotten the brand stamp of RPGC, right? yeah. which does not <laughs> exist, by the way. Nope. You don't have a like stamp? RPGC, There's no stamp? Like ASEAN approved? Like, oh yeah, really? Whatever. Like, I didn't know we were ASEAN. Where's my paycheck? Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a shared economic body. Like, where is this? So, like, I think that's something that we might really want to consider. Um, and, I mean, come on, that's pretty low, don't you think? Do you, like, do you know how much of people and not pay them? Or do you know how many times white people have privately messaged me being like, you know what you should do? You should make an Asians represent approved stamp or sticker that publishers can put on their books. And I'm like... I'm, man. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Nah, fam, that ain't me. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. What you, excuse me? Really? Really? Oh, yeah. Like, culturally endorsed. Bar. Culturally yeah, no endorsed. Way. Speaking <laughs> of that, right, which is close to my, my heart and Mahar's heart, I, I get constant like messages from people going like, so what does RPGC think of this? And I'm like, shall I swim to my neighbors in Singapore and then Malaysia and Indonesia and get back to you? Right? Like, I think I've been very vocal uh, across my TTRPG's career, I guess, that when we put forward RPGC, there's a reason why it is a hashtag. It's for the use of all Southeast Asian creators, designers, role players, enthusiasts, etc., of which I will never know all of them and there I will never no, presume to speak to them. Oh, or the idea that the RPGC is like run by a cabal who distribute opportunities. Yeah, like, RPGC no. is not an LLC. <laughs> right like uh, that's not proper right like you can't you can't assume that i will represent this hashtag i'll talk a lot about it i can give you some very accurate stories on how it started and point you to a few people that started pushing it and are doing very hard work and putting up websites and communities that i have nothing to do with beyond like hey guys check out this cool thing right like um but we're not that monolith. And in the same way, you cannot take that monolith as a person not from RPGC and presume to know everything about us. Yeah. Because I have seen people of color in our TTRPG space talk about RPGC as if they own RPGC and they know all the economic facts about it and they know all of our dreams and aspirations. Like, this is not an anime, and you are not the shonen protagonist. Okay, you don't know all of that. I don't know all of that. So you should definitely not know all of that. They know all. They've watched all the filler episodes. <laughs> <laughs> they know it. They know everything. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Communities are unique entities. And people need to remember that the moment you create ambassadors and self-proclaim ambassadors, whether or not people want that title or not, you should look at that notion with, and that function with a grain of salt because what even because that's always going to be the notion of you want it's almost like a weird twisted sense of democracy you want representation in people who were never elected to the position yeah you know it's like where, when was the vote taken you know, like, why do I have this celestial mandate? You know, it's like, what? where did this come from? And 100%. Like, that, is, that is how I feel about cultural consultants. Like, 
we, we've talked about this a lot. But for me, like, I'm like, if you want me to consult on something, I will consult on very specific things. Very, very specific things. If you ask me for like this thing, a thing that I have no expertise in, I'll be like, hey, I know somebody, Pam, I think you should, you know, respectfully send them an email or DM them on Twitter. Oh, respectfully send Respectfully. <laughs> I know this person, Mahar, or uh, lately it's often been like, hey, I have, I have a friend, Emma, who's a PhD in this. I don't have a PhD in this. Maybe you should, you know, Emma. I think this can segue actually into like, what is the work you need to do before you actually start the conversation? Yeah. Now that we know that, now that we know that emotional labor exists, because I think we've gone mm -hmm. like quite, we've waxed quite poetic on that. I think, okay, now that people know that it exists and now that we know that not everyone represents everyone, I think the, what's the useful thing to do is to ask, so what should you do then prior to starting that conversation? Because we can have these conversations. To be fair, I think we can have them, but I think homework has to be done and preparation has to be done on the asking side so that you know how to have that conversation with other people. Yeah. So what do you folks think? I, mean, we, I think we kind of touched on that and like, hey, you have to do the emotional labor that you want to put on others first, right? But let, let's get some specific questions or like, or specific action items. What do you have to do before you even start the conversation? I know you got to leave soon, Mahara. So yeah, I have to leave soon. My, yeah. my own advice is like, whatever you do, please make sure that your question is specific and do not make your consultant or your friend Google. If Google can answer it first, then don't have your friend answer it. Ask and answer it. Like, yep. seriously. And when you do actually go to your friend, make sure that you're going to, you make it clear, I want to ask you something. If I'm willing to pay you, if I'm not willing to pay you, I hope that you don't mind. Like, be honest about that. I want to compensate you somehow in some way. Here's the specific question. I would, I would imagine that's how ideal converse, at least for me, that's the ideal conversation. Like, yeah, oh, so I know this person's thought about my feelings before asking this. So, so basically say, okay, be honest about if slash how you can compensate someone and then ask a specific question. Okay. If it's uh, a friend, is this a buy you a beer question or is this buy you dinner question? Yeah. Right. That, that, that totally makes sense. Because I think that another dynamic is here is like, how do you have these conversations with friends? Um, I mean, friend groups are very different and there are a lot of, sort of cultural sort of factors at play here. But I think with your question, Mahar, is what is the work that you need to do before you start a conversation? Let's frame this within how do you approach someone in the TTRPG community when you're trying to make TTRPG content, whether it be for your home game or something published. Um, so I, I want to phrase it around that because you're right, Sean. It's like, is this I'll buy you a beer or a dinner thing? Or am I going to pay you a whole bunch of money to have you read my potentially really racist manuscript. Um, I think those are two different things, right? It's like, uh, it's like a Drew in Drew's in my, my home game. And it's like, we have, we have one, one person in the group who is very, very white um, and <laughs> very great guy. Like one of my best friends. Um, but it's like, 
whoa, you pronounce this Asian name right. And we had to pause for like five minutes and be like, you got it right. And it was just awesome. But it's like, we are all willing to do that emotional labor in the game because this is what we signed up for. And it's kind of our in joke now. But this is very different if this is like an actual play or product. Um, so we have the be honest about compensation and make sure your question's specific. Uh, for the rest of the folks here, is there anything else that you want to add? I wanted to mm. echo a bit about the idea of scope. So I'm, mm. I'm going to use the word specifically scope here. Mm. And there's a, not, a lot of analogies. And I think a lot of the audience here, you probably understand the frustration of someone asking you a question where the scope is ill-defined. So mm -hmm. I come from like a lot of other hobbies outside of tabletop RPGs, fitness, cooking, all this kind of stuff. You can imagine how awkward it is for someone to come up to me and be like, hey, Steve, how do I get a six pack? It's like that that question has so many things to talk about and you've said it so flippantly with clearly no forethought that I have no idea how to even approach this. And to even begin that conversation, I have to do so much work for you. But if you come to me and say, Hey, Steve, I am going to do a swim, uh, a swimsuit shoot. I need to look a very specific way. I'm going for this aesthetic. I am failing in my goals. I have tried these things and they're not working. I'm looking for you and your expertise also, I can't pay you, but I do trust you. And like, I, I do want to hear what you have to say. And, and I think that I can't, I can't pay you must also be followed by, I understand if you don't want to give me an answer. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> in the discourse, so uh, one of our moderators, Emma and I, um, uh, who's also been on the show a, a thousand times. Uh, we have, we both uh, work to put together an FAQ. Uh, and part of that FAQ is talking about that specific, like how do we ask questions and how do we ask questions within specifically because of the, the, the context of it, uh, how do we ask questions in our Discord server? And one of the things is uh, if you ask the question and you don't get a response from anyone, you got to let that you gotta let the shit lie <laughs> you you have to let it stay there because if no one has deigned to answer it's because they don't want to and asking again starts to get into harassment you know yeah. because sure. that's also something to think about is the space you're asking in because you know we all agree to be on this specific episode we have agreed to do these things when we create threads on twitter we have agreed to do that but you, you cannot extend that willingness to the 300-ish people in our Discord. They did not checkmark a box saying that they wanted to be asked questions. You know, they entered our community, and I know this because I've read a, a billion applications. Oh, that, that latest one <laughs> that you shared. Yeah, oh, oh Jesus. No, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> uh, but... You know, for the by and large, people are trying to enter our server and be a part of this community because they feel like they don't have the community. They want people that are like them or have experiences similar to theirs, you know, and they want to, especially in this era of people being at home so often, they want to feel engaged, they want to feel represented, and they want to be able to say things that other people are going to understand in a culturally similar context. Um, they didn't sign up to be Quora or uh, Yahoo. Quora. You know, you know no. they, didn't, they didn't sign up for that. Yeah. You know, even, even the members of our community who are often known for cultural consultancy or writing or designing did not sign up to be in the community to be 
to have you have them on speed dial. Yeah, you know, it, it is not an avenue appropriate. You, you, just because you share a space does not mean you get to zoom across the room and, and put them in a corner over something that they have done. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's just not the place for it. Yeah, that that said, yeah, I, I, Mahar, yeah. I know you've got to you've got to go. Uh, is there anything that you you wanted to kind of like just like hot take? You just wanted to drop into the call, <laughs> drop it and leave. Yeah, just drop yeah, it. Just, and, like, oh god, you know, put a grenade there for everyone. No, yeah. um, I'm. Oh, just before I go, I just want to say like I think that as heavy as the topic is, and it is heavy, and this is not to like you know make a light of it. At the end of the day, when you're dealing with this situation, I find it also best if we can also engage with the ridiculousness of this of this situation. I mean, like, you know, it's worked well, at least for me, if you manage to laugh about it, the both everyone in the conversation afterwards, like, we need to acknowledge this, like, it's ridiculous that we live in a world where cultural consultancy is required. Because that means that the, that the depth of misunderstanding and power imbalances are so deep that we literally have to pay people to be nice, to learn how to be nice as adults. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. So, like, can we just acknowledge the sheer ridiculousness of our Kafkaesque existence? It's, and then I think it's really it's Kafkaesque. I mean, yeah. seriously, seriously. Like, I'm getting money to tell people, dude, you're racist. I mean, like, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brothers used to make fun of the fact that, like, because I yeah. explained my job to them because they had no <laughs> idea what cultural consultancy is. Yeah. And they took a look at me and they're like, you're literally being paid to be as angry as you usually are. And I'm like, yeah. And it's sometimes more lucrative than writing. Yeah. So, like, I think at the end of the day, like, before I go, I think that whatever you do, um, try to find ways that you can connect such that you will laugh afterwards because you're going to need that laugh afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's all. Uh, on that note, friendos, I have to like go to class, but yeah, I know, right? I start the day off with education to enter for more education. <laughs> you're, just, you're just like shaping yeah. the minds of the future. Yeah. And if anyone has any questions, like you can feel free to ask. I'm saying that right now, but I'm also saying I'm free to ignore and not answer. You, you heard it. You heard it or, or watched it here. Same. I think that extends to all of us. Okay. Here. All right. But so bye, unless everyone. otherwise, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of how the rest of the conversation went. Yeah. We're just going to sing bye. your praises, you know. Bye, Mahara. Okay. Bye. bye. Okay, now Mahar leaves and we do a seamless transition into this. Whoa, I did welcome it. To, welcome to the talk shit about Mahar. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, man. I, can't, so, I don't even know where to start. No, so I, I actually do. I do have something to say because Mahar did, did bring up like, uh, oh, this is um, one of the things that like you kind of have to laugh about it, right? Sometimes I have so many people have gotten me to open up emails that say like i'm just another white person prepared to pay you for your expertise and i'm like open let's see what this is about um because you know they're aware that like hey i've got blind spots and i think it's always better for somebody to kind of go into the conversation with that in mind than like i would like to pay you for your asians represent stamp please um <laughs> it's still it's still 
baffles me how many how many people have suggested that we partner with publishers to make an Asians represent approved stamp. It's like this is very much like the uh, uh, it's a very Canadian thing. Uh, in uh, Canada, we have a, a chain. It's kind of our Barnes and Nobles, so chapters Indigo, um, and the CEO's name is Heather. And there are these stickers, Heather's pick. And that's like the CEO's pick. Um, it's kind of like that for Asians represent. That's what people want. And that's just simply not possible because we're not a monolith. Um, at the same time, you know, Drew, you brought up the topic of like being aware of the space in which you're asking a question, right? Because on one hand, there's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Drew with, you know, like no shade or anything. I'm gonna bring Drew with who has less than 200 Twitter followers into this Twitter war that I'm having right here. Also, Drew needs more followers and show, so does Sean. <laughs> yeah, um, you can see not much, but <laughs> it's there. Like It's there, <laughs> but it's like, I'm gonna bring some, this some person every now and then. into a public digital fist fight, which is a Twitter th- back and forth. That's what it is, right? People are, are, are like throwing hands online, 240 characters at a time right? There's that. Then there's also like, I'm going to slide into your DMs and ask you a question, right? Those two are very different things. A Twitter thread being put into something like that. It's harder to ignore that than DMs, right? Because if it's in a Twitter thread, it's like, well, I don't see a response from Drew. I don't see a response from Sean. Why hasn't the dovetailer responded, Pam? Why hasn't the dovetailer responded, right? Well, what's, what's going on here? A DM is, can be left ignored. An email can be left unread. A Discord tag can just be ignored, but a Twitter thread is a little bit different. So thinking about the space in which you're asking that question is one of those three points. Because so far, our action points for, you know, what is the work that you need to do before you start the conversation? One is be honest about compensation. Two, think about scope. Be really specific. Three, be aware of the space in which you are going to even ask the question in the first place. Um, that said, I want to talk about our Discord space because we've got about half an hour left. And I think the Discord space and what you folks have done, and I am not going to take credit for any of that. This is not me. Um, the discord space and what you folks have done is honestly incredible. The server isn't perfect, but I think all of you and Asians represent in general, anyone involved with Asians represent is approaching it with a growth mindset. We are trying to improve. We are listening to feedback. We are trying to hear what everybody's saying and act with everyone's interests in mind. I see Pam struggling with the cat there. Um, (laughs) But that said, like, Drew, I know you worked on that document that's in the Discord server. You worked on that with Emma and I think some others, right? I think everybody kind of looked at it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Everyone kind of uh, put in some some thoughts. But in terms of like literally typing out, Emma and I were just like hammering keys away. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's pinned right there. I think in our community guidelines, it's like, yeah, here's the very last thing. Here's our FAQ. Here's, you know, if you got questions, read this first, right? Because instead of, you know, drawing someone into a conversation, maybe think about it. Now, 
what I'd love to do is kind of provide a sort of a rough guideline as to, you know, what we've been doing in the Asians represent server, what our goals are with that server and kind of big changes that we've made since we started it that one evening or morning for you, Pam, after reading Oriental Adventures. Because on a stream, people were like, do you have a Discord server? And we were like, I don't know. <laughs> and then we decided to just make one. Um, but since we started that server uh, until now, it is dramatically different. And it's because we've you know, taken this concept of emotional labor and the concept of you know, inserting one's privilege into a conversation into account. So what are some things that, that you folks have done in the server to kind of mitigate that? Drew, you've talked about that document, but what else do we have there? Uh, if other folks are listening to this and hoping to make their own server, hoping if they have a server already to, you know, upgrade it a bit. So I think, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. So I think one thing actually came up in chat, but also this was, I was going to talk about anyways, is that personal boundaries are really, really hard to set in public spaces like this, or even like wider spaces. And in order to be able to feel comfortable to set your own boundaries, you have to understand, or you have to feel like generally that boundaries are respected in general in the space. So we could not, like, it'd be really, really hard to just say, okay, boundaries matter. And we just keep saying that over and over again, because people would eventually stop listening to us. But the actual server itself is set up with boundaries mechanically put in. Like the server speaks to this idea. One way it does is through reaction roles, which is to say, we have these channels where people will talk about some deep, heavy shit, right? You don't have to opt in. In fact, the default is you opt out. You only can approach these channels if you really, really want to. At any point in time, you can always just kind of turn them off, either by manually muting them or by going to your reaction roles and getting rid of them. The boundaries are something that not only like we, we want you to use, but they're baked into like the DNA of the server. And when it came to figuring out bots and like other things like that, this was a hard requirement for that reason. Yeah, so helping people create those boundaries so they aren't subjecting themselves to, to emotional labor. When, when I first came up with the server for Asians Represent, I think I emphasized very clearly on the note of boundaries that community guidelines and the do's and don'ts in general and what's keep top of mind are important. A server that presumes that all of you are friends, quote unquote, and you'll all just work it out quote unquote, will never work out. Because if you can have an argument with a friend that you've known for XX number of years, if you can walk away from a beloved family member who has pissed you off, what more a whole bunch of names floating at you on the screen in, on the internet where you might never hear their voices or see their faces, right? So, um, the other thing that we tried to implement is where there are channels that uh, emotions might run high in due to the, the number of topics or the, the points of discussion. You could put something like slow mode on to kind of force people to stop like yammering away and, and typing and give people a moment to kind of like dial back before they respond. And you can also have specific rules in those spaces mm -hmm. for engagement. Yeah. 
I think I think something we've done in the past is we've also enforced slow mode and taken it away, given what's happening. And that comes to like the act of moderation. And Pam, I think we've, we've talked about this, where sometimes seeing the mod name in chat helps the community better understand and remind themselves that this isn't just friends like over dinner and like we'll forgive each other at the end. This is a community and like we have guidelines and we're going to try our best to adhere to them. And if we can't, we're going to take steps to make sure that we push the needle in the direction we want. Yeah, it's the constant acknowledgement that it's a privilege, not a right to be in the space yes. for, for any yeah. individual. Yeah. You know, yep. um, you are here because we want you to be here. And if something happens to the point where, you know, there's misbehaving and there's uh, issues happening, like we reserve the right to, to, to boot you from the server because we have to take care of the health of the total, not just one part of it, you know? And so, and that's actually something I was going to say too, is if you're a smaller server and you want to grow and you want to promote a healthy community, you have to enforce your rules day one. Because I think a lot of smaller communities get terrified that if they boot one person, they're, they're stunting their growth. They're, they're not promoting their ability to grow or engage, but that's simply not true. You will get more people over time, but you need to be active in how you are shaping that community. A lot of the awful, absolutely shitty communities out there, like let's take Twitch, for instance, some of these uh, uh, places. But not, but not this chat right here. But never this chat. But never, never. this no, chat. No, no, no. They're no, good no. chat. They're good. Our chat's perfect. <laughs> uh, but when you see some of these uh, chats, and they're running rampant. And, you know, yes, there is a certain element of the chaos of having, you know, 10,000 people in chat. But a lot of these uh, Twitch streamers, their chats are the way they are because they actively did nothing to stifle that. What you do when you are a small community dictates how you will be in large part as a large community. Because the, the veterans of your community set the tone for new people, good or bad. And that's very, very important to keep in mind, right? And as that community grows, you want that tone to be set that is in a very healthy way. Because if you let it fester, it will, you may not even notice. Yeah. But in a year from then, when you have 200 more people, you'll start to notice. And then you'll think to yourself, why why is this so toxic you know why yeah, yeah. why is this so terrible you know you like, have to be proactive and speaking on the point of removing people right uh i've gotten this question a lot especially in the philippine side of tabletop where um community managers have come to me and say but i can't remove too many people because then we won't have a community and what i usually throw back at them is all right let me paint you a picture Let's take a look at your Facebook group composition. Have you noticed how not a lot of people who identify, identify as female are even commenting on any of the posts? Now ask yourself why that's happening. Look at the majority of who's in your community. Are they all men? Are they all cishet? Are they all always speaking? What happens when a girl speaks up? How do the men react? What do they do? What do they say? If you removed half those dudes, I guarantee you, you will see a lot more women coming in and they will tell their friends that I like this place. It makes me feel safe. And then they're going to want to participate. 
And to add on that, who do you have as your moderators? Mm. Right. Like um, the amount of good you could do, and Malo will agree with me because he's here right now, but the amount of good that you can do by removing somebody who is being toxic, who is not understanding personal boundaries, can open wider doors and create a bigger gate for more people who are of like mind, who will adhere and understand your community guidelines or learn something from them. Or you may even learn something, uh, we as admin will also learn from you if you're coming in from similar perspectives, yet you have other stuff to share that we didn't even think of, right? So sometimes a quiet but solid community is a good community. Never, never assume that a community where not a lot of people talk is, is a bad one. Because sometimes people just like having that space where they can come in and talk about their cats or their latest video game or raise something super heavy and feel safe. Yeah. And now, now everyone on this call right now is like an admin, except for you, Sean, you're a moderator on the server. I, I, I'd yeah. love to know, like, what, what are you, what are your thoughts as, as someone who, you know, fairly recently joined the moderator team has been in the server for like a really long time, actually. Like, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I- I like to, uh, you know, just remind people that if you're an admin or a moderator, there is this power dynamic at play. And when that's the case, it's important to kind of lead by example that you yourself adhere to the rules and point them out and uh, apologize when you make a mistake or break one of the rules because sometimes, you know, emotions do run high and you are typing at a million miles per hour. And uh, I find that when that happens, the community sees this and they start at some point moderating themselves, like noticing when somebody else is getting a little too heated and saying, hey, let's back down and cool off for a moment and get back to this. And when that happens, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's like, oh, everyone's been paying attention. Everyone is uh, like willing to be a, uh, a productive member of this community. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I and think, I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. You, know, you, you go ahead, you go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, so when I stepped up to be the Discord community manager, what, five, four, five, six uh, months ago, time, ago, months ago, time ago, as a, a nondescript amount of time ago, you know, I went and I checked in with all of uh, my, the moderators, right? Because I wanted to gauge how everyone was feeling about the role, about the community, what, what their hopes were, what their concern, what their concerns were, things like that. And, you know, um, some folks were saying that they felt like they didn't, you know, they weren't, you know, able to do as much. And I said, that's, that's fine. You know, that is absolutely a-okay. You know, (laughs) being a good mod is not banning someone. (laughs) Being a good mod uh, is not, you know, shutting a conversation down. Being a good moderator is having the willingness to do that. But also being a good moderator is being present, being communicative, engaging in the space, because we all, like Sean was saying, we all lead by example, right? And so when I have, you know, my moderators in the chats and they're talking and they're engaging with everyone, one, it it creates a sense of connection. It creates points of uh, connection between that moderator and the people they're talking to which kind of creates bonds and makes people more comfortable. But also, it, uh, like Sean is saying, it allows them to see 
what we think is good and all right. And that allows them to create in their mindset as a community what a uh, conversation should look like for us, which then reduces the amount of things that we have to do anyways, because the community is being proactive as opposed to us being reactive. Yeah, self-moderating. Yeah. Uh, a co- healthy community is a community that self-moderates. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. One thing I used to do when I was not as busy, because as, as many of you are aware, I'm actually on the opposite time zone. I'm currently in future land, sort of. So uh, um, what I used to try to do as much as possible in Asians in any Discord space where I had some position of power was I just chime in. And whatever channel had something interesting, I'd share a picture of my cat or I'd talk about Genshin or FF or I'd like join in a conversation. Because what that establishes as uh, a moderator is you are telling other people, hi, I'm here without having to come in swinging or bringing the knives out if there's a problem. You were showing them that you are present, you are engaging. And that may have, or that usually has the effect of making people feel safe because they know that if something did go down and hopefully it won't, because nine times out of 10, it won't, uh, you will be there and you will be listening. Even if it's an emoji reacts, uh, that's very important for community members, especially if there are any range of like the, the best spectrum, which is shy to the worst spectrum where they've had terrible experiences in community and they want to speak up, they want to be there, they want to listen and learn and maybe even just hang out, but they've been burned before. Therefore, they don't want to say anything. They want to observe first and see how they can fit in without risking too much. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one other thing is just a, being present is, is awesome. Leading by example, like you said, Sean. It's also leading by positive example. One of the things that I like to do, and especially initially as we were growing the community on, on the Discord server, was I always like to like periodically like post in our community positivity channel to be like, yo, this person did something awesome. Yo, thank you for being awesome. Because I want that to become a norm. I want people to praise other people in the community. I want people to shout out each other's work. And, and I think one thing we were really intentional about is also making sure that our Discord server didn't become a place where people would just go to self-promote, right? Uh, we wanted to make sure that, you know, and I think this applies to any, the entire conversation about emotional labor. I want people to not just come in and take something away, but also give something meaningful back. And I think when you have people doing that in the server, in their own way, this could be an emoji, this could be sharing cat photos. Sean, you you basically lead the entire crafting channel. Let's be honest, you lead that. <laughs> um, it's like, and I, I still really, really, exact, right? Sean plays D&D. Um, I, I still, as a side, I really want us to do a crafting hangout. Um, but that said, I, I think leading by example and, Showing that you can bring something as well as take something is really important, right? Because if you come to a community like Asians Represent and you come in with the express intent of just taking something away, right, without giving something back, then you have to go back to those other questions that we've been talking about, right? The the questions about scope of what you're trying to take away, 
the space in which you are trying to ask that question, right? And the fact that you're not compensating people for that. That's why we have an opportunities channel uh, in the server. So if you do want you know, to hire someone and you do know that there are a lot of people who do this kind of work in our server, we have a space where you could solicit for that and where people can consent to trying to find and engage with an opportunity. Um, one other thing that I, I know, uh, because Drew and I were, were talking about this uh, in recent months that we've been trying to do now that the community has grown and we've had to remove people from the community, is that there are steps in place for reconciliation and return. And I think that is, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm kicking myself because I know Mahar would want to talk about this. Um, Same. <laughs> ah, sorry, Mahar. <laughs> But it is so important that there are mechanisms and processes in place for people to return if they were removed. Because again, people can grow, people could change. There are times when, yes, people can do like truly awful things and they do not deserve to return. But sometimes people were removed because they just didn't understand the, the rules, even though they had to acknowledge that they read them or they had something going on in their life and it just, things just weren't working out and they were bringing a lot of that into the server. But you need to have mechanisms in place to have people return. People need to be given opportunities to grow, right? Um, so think about that for your server, right? And I know that that's something that, you know, Drew, I know you're kind of like looking at and we we're constantly fine tuning it too. It's like, well, what if you apply to the server and then we don't let you in? When can you reapply? What if you've been banned from our Twitch or the server? How long does it take to come back? What do you have to do? These are all things that we're trying to think about because in addition to creating a, a, a safe space, we want to create a space that you can grow within and then grow to join. I think that that makes sense. Um, now, I personally have not been in the server in, in a little bit. Like I check in every now and then people tag me in things. I will respond, but I haven't been in the server as much because I've just kind of become a lurker. Now I like watching the server thrive. I like seeing the conversations that are happening. I like seeing people. My favorite thing is seeing people say, Hey, I got my shot or Hey, I got to the next interview. I really love it when people post that because I like to see how everyone responds and all the positivity there. I like to see people remember like, oh, how's your, how's your pet doing? Or how's that project you were working on? I like seeing those interactions because it shows me that people genuinely care about the other people in that server, even though we have never met, never met at all. Like I can, I can think about like the voices of people in the server and I can remember voices. And when I hear someone, I'm like, I know what we talked about last time because we had such a positive impact. Um, and, and I love seeing that. And while, yes, we people have called us up for being like, Asians represent, it's a privilege to have what you have. I think we are very fortunate and grateful to have this server, but it shouldn't be the only one. We want to make sure that other people are doing this too for their communities. Asians represents Discord server isn't the only Asian Discord server, right? It should never be the only Asian Discord server. I know, Pam, you've said that a ton of times, <laughs> <laughs> can't be the case right but i think one of the things that i personally want from our discord server is for it to be 
a model for other people to grow their own safe spaces. And I think what you folks have done with it warrants that. Because I know how much work you've put into it. I know the hard conversations that you've had about issues. I know that we've all made mistakes in the server and owned up to mistakes in the server. And I just think you people are fantastic. I think you are great people doing great things. And it running agents represent and doing the Discord stuff is a really thankless, thankless volunteer position. Right? It's it's it, it is. It is. Um, this wouldn't be a Daniel hosted screen if Daniel didn't just spend a whole bunch of time just gushing about the guests. <laughs> Literally, but here's the thing that is on our brand manual that Steve helped us get with Steve's friend and very fantastic professional, Samira Khan, right? Um, also fantastic cosplayer, worked on the Mandalorian, another Asian person who we should also have on the show, Steve. Um, when we do like a cosplay episode or something. We should, we'll figure something out. Figure that uh, out, yeah. We'll figure that out. Um, but one of the things that Asians Represent is all about is uplifting others. And it's not just talking about people's games, right? It's not just, you know, saying, oh, I really think this game is good or glad that you got that gig. It's also like, hey, I think you're a great person, right? It's also talking about people who are allies in the space, and doing good things in the space and who aren't Asian and who are navigating this really sort of tough space, right? I know there are a lot of people who do publishing. Um, there are a lot of people who aren't even in the Asians represent server, um, but are like fantastic allies, fantastic people. And those are the kinds of interactions that I look out for in the server. Um, I think it's the, the acknowledgement that any one of us are more than the projects we've put out or the things that we're attached to. You know, we are more than those things. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause I, cause I think at the server, most people don't, I, I think what I like about the server is that most people don't see me as like, oh, I'm, I'm the, the, the writer. I'm the podcaster. It's like, oh, Daniel's the guy who during the pandemic really liked to make meatloaf. Or like, Daniel's it was like the, I played the shit out of Sekiro. Like, the guy, oh. uh, after this episode, I'm actually going to go into the um, the server and I'm going to play Sekiro because I'm on the final boss and I bought and installed Elden Ring and I will not start Elden Ring until I beat the final boss in Sekiro. I have tried and failed 15 times at this point. I will beat that boss tonight. It will happen. Um <laughs> Maybe not tonight. I'm, I'm gonna be you heard it here live. I'm going to be realistic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we have, I'm really proud of the server and you folks do, have taken on a lot of emotional labor. And I think it's also really important to acknowledge that. You've taken on a lot of emotional labor um, and just like, I really appreciate what you've done. And can, um, I, uh, can I gush about how I've seen you navigate your emotional labor for just like the last little bit that we have here. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to, so, I'm going to look away quickly because I'm going to call for Marla, but I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> so I think something that happened and not everyone knows about this because it happened quite invisibly for Asian present. So at some point in time, you legitimately burned out and we kind of at the crew and the guests, we saw you burning out for a long time and 
there is this idea that like you should go until you can't anymore. And now reflecting back on it, it's easy to say like, oh, that's not sustainable. But I do want to recognize that you took the time to recognize that you had burned out. You took the time, you took the breaks off. We did everything on the social to be like, okay, it's on hiatus for a little bit. When you got the bandwidth and the capacity to think more about it, you began to think about ideas of sustainability, about ways that we could service you know, this project in a way that we could keep doing it and keep getting value out of it, as well as keeping like to a certain level of quality. And this idea of taking what limited, at this point, very clearly limited emotional availability you had, you invested it in a very intelligent and meaningful and impactful way. So I think that is another lens of looking at labor is limited. There's only so many hours in a day. There are only so many spoons in your drawer. There's only so many tears in your eyes, um, blood in your veins. I don't know. I'm making up stuff now. <laughs> but to recognize that and then prioritize and scope out what you're trying to do shows a lot of maturity. So I wanted to give you kudos and gush about that for a little bit. I, no, I appreciate that, Steve. And like, I mean, you know, I'm not, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't like, um, I don't like praise, but I think that's just my like upbringing because I'm not used to it. Um, Cause like, I mean, like a lot of people who kind of look at Asian surfers are like, oh, they're doing this for attention. No, no, no. Like I really don't like attention. Like it's why I, I like don't really post a lot on Twitter. It's kind of like, I do this because I genuinely love what we're doing and I really believe in the mission. Like I really believe in the mission. And I think a big one was like stepping away from the discord and letting you folks take control of it and not having my hand there. Um, and, and I mean, like I have my own issues with like control, uh, and what I think with Asians represent, and I think this is my like pitch to people who haven't tried to join the server yet, or are just joining us now, or have just started listening to us or have been with us for a while. The thing that I love about Asians represent and doing Asians represent is that like, I have surrounded myself with people that I can genuinely trust. I think everybody on Asians represent, whether you know, you're know you Steve, who's with me every other Friday, um, talking about talking about like moronic shit, or we're just talking about genuinely like deep and heavy stuff, right? Steve's with me every other Friday, and I know Steve's got my back, and Steve knows I've got, got his back. Or if it's like, I got to hop on a Discord call with Pam and we just got to talk some mad shit. Like, I trust Pam and Pam trusts me. Or if, hey, I know that like Pam has goals with amplifying voices and they're part of the world. Pam knows that Asians Represent is here. Like the show, the entity is here to help right there. Um, so... Um, and then I know that like Drew is going to act with the server in mind. Um, sorry, I know my, something happened with my audio there. Thank, uh, thank you uh, everyone for letting me know. Um, and then Sean, I know that you're probably one of the most active people inside the, the chats of the server because you were originally a member and then you, and then I think it was me who asked you because we were talking and I was like, what about Sean? And then we had a conversation and then, and then you became 
a moderator. And I think who's the newest moderator? I think it's Jeremy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm super hyped that Jeremy is a moderator uh, because Jeremy brings perspective that that we don't have as well. And I'm really excited for that team to grow. Um, but that said, you know, we've got the moderator team. We've got the admin team. We've got like my amazing co-hosts. But another layer to this, the people who make Asians represent possible are our amazing patrons. Um, there's some awesome people here. Marla is coming upstairs. Uh, as you know, Marla is very heavy and she takes some, takes some time to get Marla up here. Got to um, lift through your legs. Because you got you to gotta lift, right? Um, like legit, when I first got Marla, my mom thought that she was a raccoon. <laughs> not not a cat naturally like when i like i might still gonna, be who knows like i'm not gonna lie like when i first got marla i went to the uh like the foster and this foster was like this crazy cat lady she had fostered way too many cats and mm. i was like i'm i'm here for her original name was miss addy and i was like oh some, some like some like old white lady named her and I'm going to give her an old white lady name. I'm going to name her Marla. Uh, but uh, I was like, where's the cat? Where's, where's Miss Addie at the time? And I heard that squeak. And I looked up the stairs. And there was just this like fat shadow <laughs> with like these little, little nubs for legs. And she like hobbled down the stairs and ran at me and rammed into my leg and was like, we're going. Let's go. <laughs> And that that's how and that's how Marla. Hey Marla, do you want to say something? Yeah. Oh, she's getting more used to this. She is getting more used to this. Uh, I think after that Magic Gathering video, um, Marla has become more aware of the fact that you are a part of the Asians Represent brand. Yeah. Um, she's so precious. Yeah, Marla is very precious, and the um, it's really funny because the Wizards team were like, yeah. We all, we all watched the video of Marla and the cards. Um, I think I set the expectation that anything that I do is going to have Marla. So uh, get ready, Marla. You're an influencer cat. Um, but oh, Marla- Marlo's an influencer. Everybody's like, no, we, oh, don't, yes. we don't bring you on for you. For you oh. We bring you on for the chance of like a mallow passing. But, but that said, <laughs> um, we have so many people to thank. We have our guardians of the realm, uh, Brooke Bright. <laughs> Uh, Jeremy Pixel Grotto, Marla, be, be, be good. Um, Daisy May, Arjun, Justin, and and uh, Wayan, thank you so much for your support. And of course, the most honorable Metal Weave Games. I will say, like, I'm, first of all, shout out to Andreas. Whenever Andreas has like a question for the community, I think Andreas really navigates the space really well in a respectful way. Um, I, I think it's really cool seeing Andreas as um, a uh, a publisher and as a friend kind of like grow um, as an ally, which is really cool. And there's always room for growth for everyone, but shout out to you, Andreas, for, for being one of the most honorable people. Um, shout out to Valorous Games, Liana. We got, we got, some, we got some things brewing, but you know, Liana is great. Um, yeah, Liana is fantastic. Uh, Dungeon Glitch slash Matt, thank you for just being out there. Thank you for like shouting us out, but also just like, being honest about, you know, why you wanted to be an Asians represent like community member, why you like Asians represent and just being you. I, I think I've seen you on Twitter and, and all that stuff and you're great. And then of course the most honorable 
times two epic impulse you you get double the honor because you requested it so you get double the honor um but that said um sean pam drew and of course as always steve thank you for for joining me for this episode of asians represent um it was a tough conversation and i'm glad we got to end with some positivity uh oops ah i messed up the overlay for a second there darn um you folks are awesome and i uh i really appreciate the uh i really appreciate the conversation and i am just so so fucking excited for the stuff that we're going to do in the future totally totally agree that said if you folks want to join the discord discord server there are two ways to do so uh one you can become a patron and that just gets you right into the server we have some patron only channels where you can ask questions and all of that stuff um and we also have um a way of uh if you if you can't afford being a patron or you just don't want to that's totally okay too you could head to aznsrepresent.com go to that contact form and there is a form that you could submit and that goes straight to the person who is next to me uh drew who that's will me. look that over um we're you better fill it out real good fill it out real good <laughs> um <laughs> god um fill it out real good because uh drew will go over them and then maybe marla will take a look too uh, although Marla would never approve anyone um, because Marla, it's just, oh, where's Marla? Raccoons never forget. They never forgive. Raccoons never forget. <laughs> never forgive. Marla's here being like, I'm going to destroy all of the cables underneath. Your <laughs> oh, <no>. These cables <laughs> are mine now. These cables Ooh. are mine. And I went through all these steps to manage the cables. But um, thank you folks for, for, for joining me for this episode. Episode 49 of Agents Represent. 